Hello, my name's Dave, and I'm the person who puts this stuff together. Uh, it's been a while since there's been anything out on the Getting Better Acquainted feed, but I've been prepping the last couple of days for a podcast course that I'm going to be teaching. And as part of that, I've been listening back to some talks that I've given about podcasting at a couple of podcast festivals, and I've decided to polish them up a little bit and put them out as Getting Better Acquainted extras. The first of these two talks was recorded at Thirsk Podcast Festival in 2019, and it's called The Possibilities of Podcasting. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. So I'll introduce myself properly in a moment, but first of all, I'm going to start by kind of introducing podcasts, I guess, and getting an idea of what people in the room know about what a podcast is. So who know who who would say I know what a podcast is? If you if you would say that, put your hand up. So right, and so so there's a few people in the room who don't know what a podcast is, which is f- absolutely fine. Why should you? Uh, but I will tell you what one is now. So basically what a podcast is, is audio or radio that is put on the internet rather than uh, comes out through a radio player. That's the simplest way of saying it. When I have to say what I do at parties, I say uh, I make radio on the internet and people generally have an understanding of what that means. There is also another element to a podcast uh, that people have a lot of disagreements about, uh, which is called an RSS feed, which stands for really simple syndication. RSS actually is worse, isn't it? We could just call it, I don't know, syndication, and we wouldn't, it would actually sound less alienating than RSS. I didn't, I didn't have any choice in what, what became convention, but RSS feed is what you were subscribed to in order to get the radio or audio content sent to you. Not all podcasts will have RSS feeds these days. So there are podcasts that stream online uh, or put out YouTube videos, which they call podcasts. There's arguments in the podcasting community about whether something is a podcast without that easy to subscribe comes automatically to your to your phone or your device that's basically what an rss feed does if you're not techie you never have to worry really about what an rss feed is um but basically that's the thing that when you subscribe to something on itunes or whatever your podcast app is that's the thing that makes it come to you without you thinking about it and it just arrives uh, on your phone uh, so that's basically what a podcast is so i mean this is a nice little graphic that i think is quite a nice funny graphic for what a podcast is there you've got a kind of peas in a pod the fishing rod is grabbing that pod so this is like the juicy audio radio experience that you want to listen to this rod would be your iphone or whatever the string is the rss feed that connects it to you I should say as well, uh, the reason it's called a podcast is the same reason we call vacuum cleaners hoovers, right? Uh, 
the iPod was the first place that people would download. So people started calling them podcasts and now that's what people call them. You know, language evolves. That's where we are. Some people get very angry about it because they don't like uh, endorsing Apple every time they talk about what they make. Uh, other people don't care about it. Uh, I'm kind of in the middle. I don't really care, but I do see that it is a little bit frustrating to only see it through the lens of Apple because there are many other kinds of podcast apps uh, and it was nothing to do with Apple really uh, the start of podcasting but anyway that's that who am I though as I said I will introduce myself now uh, my name is Dave Pickering uh, I make podcasts uh, that is what I do professionally now that is what I got paid for uh, just about enough to cover my rent uh, every month uh, so I guess I'm a professional podcaster uh, whatever that means and we'll get to that later on my personal podcast that I make the one that I was doing for the most amount of time uh, from 2011 to January earlier this year uh, is getting better acquainted that has been nominated for awards it's won awards it's been featured on radio for those sorts of things uh, it's kind of a cult podcast or a critically acclaimed podcast, which is a nice way of saying uh, it, it never made me very much money. And uh, the, the audience was uh, large enough to make it worth my while, but not large enough to uh, make a kind of army to make money and spread my word out there. Um, but Getting Better Acquainted is kind of what I got known for. I used to make a podcast called Stand Up Tragedy, which was a live show uh, as well as a podcast. Mansplaining masculinity is a thing that's not really that much to do with podcasts. That's why I've said personal projects, but it's a thing I do about masculinity that is available in a podcast form. So you can find out more about that if you Google it. It's very unrelated to the talk I'm doing today. Uh, the Family Tree is a, an audio drama that I make. Uh, it's, just finished its third and final season but there will be a christmas special coming up so it's not quite done but once it's done it will won't be done because like all kind of podcasts it will remain for people to discover in the future if you want to discover it now that would be great and uh start at episode one is my advice yeah and i've been doing this thing that is podcasting uh since before i knew what podcasts were um in 2006 a friend of mine said uh that he'd like to make an audio drama and he also wanted me to curate some kind of fiction stories and i had a comedy show that i was also doing so he wanted me to make some radio shows we've been to university in lancaster together and he uh was part of the student radio there and i was part of a, a of a theater company with him so i started writing a radio drama which would go on to be nominated for a sony award um without knowing what a podcast was but i was making three at the time so i went to the sony radio awards which was a weird thing to be doing because i had a day job so it's quite weird when you go from a day job to a kind of swanky uh london champagne sort of event where everything is wicked expensive uh and it's expensive in fact Getting nominated for awards isn't what it cracks, you know, it's not everything it cracks up to be because it costs money to go to the award ceremony. So actually, uh, if you're, if you haven't got very much money, getting nominated for an award can actually really set you back that month. <laughs> but when I went to that awards, I was up against some other podcasts, uh, notably Answer Me This, which is a podcast made by Helen Zoltzman and Ollie Mann, uh, which is still going and it's probably, probably just about, you could say the biggest podcast in the UK or at least 
least the the one that for the longest time was maybe there's maybe things have changed now the podcast uh landscape is very different now but i was up against uh them neither of us won um but i did listen to what answered me this at that time and i was like oh this is what podcasts are. Uh, this is what I've been making. Why wasn't I making it better? Uh, I could have made it in a much more podcasty way. And that's when I decided to make my first kind of, uh, completely independent on my own podcast. I won't really name it because it's not available online anymore because it was terrible. It was maybe the worst podcast, uh, ever. Uh, it was, you know, th- me and two of my childhood friends locked in a room in Manchester for four days recording everything we said. Uh, we all reverted back to our teenage selves. So it was very unpleasant for the next year and a bit of my life trying to take that terrible material and make it into something worth listening to. Maybe Maybe sometimes I achieved it, maybe I didn't. But during that year and a half of failing to make a good podcast, I learned a lot about making podcasts. And as a response and reaction to that, that's why I set up Getting Better Acquainted. I was kind of sick of this child, like my teen version of me that I'd been dealing with for a year and a half. And I was like, I can be other people. Uh, And then I was like, well, how can I show people that I can be other people? I can record conversations with the people that I know, and that will show the different sides of me. And that was kind of the selfish reason. There were other reasons why I started it. But that's why I started that podcast up. And as I say, it ran until January this year. It may run again in the future, but like I say, it's on a a hiatus because there's only so much you can do uh, in your day. Uh, but these days I make most of my money through doing work for clients. Uh, I did a show for CBB's radio called Ministry of Stories that you can find out there. Uh, I produce the, uh, podcast Made of Human for the comedian Sophie Hagen. Uh, I produce the, uh, podcast, The Breakup Monologues, um, for the comedian Rosie Wilby, which if any of you are staying around later, will be happening later. So you can listen. I won't be here, but it will be happening and I'll get sent that audio later in order to edit it. And that's what I mainly do. Producer is a strange word. When I'm a producer for Getting Better Acquainted, I do absolutely everything. Uh, when I'm a producer for uh, Made of Human, I do exactly what Sophie tells me and just slot it together as a jigsaw. So producer is an interesting word. It can mean a lot of different things. Uh, that's the case, not just in podcasting, but also in radio. So when you hear the word producer, uh, be aware that that can mean so many things to just pressing a button from pressing a button to writing, recording, researching and doing everything for a, for a project. Um, so that's who I am. And that's why I'm talking to you about this stuff today. Um, but I'm, I have, Although I have a bit of background in theatre and in a bit of radio at university, I'm, you know, when I started making podcasts, I was a library assistant. I worked in a local library. Um, so like, whilst I may have a few impressive credits now, you know, I can flash a bit of Radio 4 on my CV. Uh, I'm just like you. I didn't know. Well, I'm actually making assumptions. You might be much more knowledgeable than I was. But what I'm saying is anyone can make a podcast. Uh, anyone can make a podcast. That does not mean that it's easy. Uh, there's a strange kind of double thing that happens around that. People go, Oh, anyone can make a podcast. It must be easy. Uh, and it isn't. And that will be the biggest hurdle maybe for, for you becoming a podcaster. If you go in expecting it to be easy, when you find out it isn't, 
you might give up. So I don't want you to give up. So I want you to know that it's not easy so that you go in going, this won't be easy. And then you'll be pleasantly surprised, actually, uh, possibly. What makes a podcast different from traditional radio? Uh, as I say, the easiest way to describe a podcast to people is say it's like radio, but on the internet. Um, but that's not fully true. There are other things about it that make it different. So first of all, there's no gatekeepers. There's no, uh, no kind of radio guidelines. There's no BBC saying what they want. There's no production company that have a pre-existing uh, relationship with the BBC who also will be advocating for the BBC. You're on your own, uh, which is really liberating, uh, but not fully liberating, right? There's nobody to tell you what to do. So you have to be the one who tells you what to do. You have to set your own standards. You have to set your own limits. And if you do something like uh, have libelous information on your podcast, you are the one who's legally responsible for it, right? So there's good things and bad things about having no gatekeepers, but you can do anything you want because there are no gatekeepers. You can swear as much as you like, as many podcasts take uh, deep pleasure in doing. So yeah, that's the first thing. No gatekeepers, no rules. Uh, again, it's a similar principle uh, and with similar problems. Like It opens things up, uh, but it also closes things down because it's much easier to make something if you've got rules. Uh, I don't like if, if, if any of you uh, make things that aren't podcasts, you'll probably know that. Like if someone gives you some wood and say, build anything you like, that is much harder than if someone says, here's some wood, make a table, right? Um, and then you can make a really creative table, a brilliant, beautiful table, but it's a table. So you knew what you were going in to do. Whereas if you've got no rules, you have to decide what you're doing. And I would suggest that it is a useful thing to create your own rules for yourself to help you to make something. And that will also help you in other ways in terms of podcasting. Like if you make some rules about a schedule, then it means that your podcast will be going out a regular on a regular schedule so your listeners will know what to expect if you decide it's going to be around about a certain length of time then again that means that your listeners will know what to expect and you'll know what you're working to like one of the rules that isn't there is length you can make uh you could make a four-hour podcast there are a few good four-hour podcasts not necessarily many uh, so I'm not recommending four hours as like the standard. I'm just saying you could. And equally, you could make a 30 second podcast. Again, I'm not saying that should be your standard, but you can do anything. And that's exciting as well as terrifying. Podcast is on demand. So people who subscribe to you want to hear you. When you tune into the radio, you're not necessarily tuning in to hear a program. You may, in the past, people did much more often tune in every week to hear a thing. But most of us have a radio on in the background. We hear whatever happens across our radio waves. And that's great and exciting, but it means we don't choose. We don't commit to that. Uh, listeners to a podcast have to want to hear you to hear you. They, that's that's the process that they've gone through. They've picked you to subscribe to. It comes to them and they listen to it whenever they like. That in itself is some means brings up some interesting things. Like, are they listening to it in the gym? Are they listening to it while they do their domestic chores? Are they listening to it on the commute? 
All of those things factor into the kind of work you might want to make. Because if you're listening to stuff on the tube or you're listening to stuff on a bus or you're listening to stuff uh, while you're doing the washing up, there's a lot of sound around you. And so that means that you won't hear the, the beautiful detail that you might have spent hours and hours of your life putting into your podcast. People might not hear that. Um, similarly, it has to be nice and loud uh, so that they can hear it over whatever they're doing. But it comes to them in their headphones quite often, which is a different experience from the radio being on. It's intimate. They're speaking into your head. And that's one of the reasons why very intimate relationships uh, build between audiences for podcasts and podcasters. It's one of the reasons that they can become uh, intimate and immediate and interactive. Three of the, the other words on this slide, that comes partly from the fact that they are on demand and they're going into your ears, which is very personal. <laughs> One of the reasons why you have that direct relationship between audience and creator. I mean, I guess another one is the listeners know you're making it. Uh, when you tune into the BBC, yeah, you've got a presenter, but they're being paid. You know, you, you, when you tune into a podcast, you don't know if the person making it is being paid. Like you might be their only audience member. That makes you much more important to them uh, than the, than a hundred uh, listeners to to a radio station. It comes through the internet and it comes into smartphones. That changes it. It's portable. It goes around with you. It also means you can look up stuff online while you're listening. It also means people stream it, you know, at work while they're doing other things on their computer. So those are, those are factors that are very specific to podcasts. As I said, all the time that you need, whether that's a good thing or not, depends. It's easy for anyone to make. It isn't easy to make the radio because you've got to get a deal with the BBC or a BBC production company or another radio station. You've got to, you know, have training. You've got to have a good CV. All of these barriers are not there in podcasting. No saturation kind of means all the time, all the time that you need. I guess the, the difference between those two sentences is all the time that you need also means in terms of to create it. So like if you're doing a project for the BBC, you have to do it by their deadline. If you're making a podcast for yourself, you can spend five years getting it right if you want. And that's not a bad thing necessarily. Obviously, things will change in five years. And so who knows if podcasts will even be able to be streamed on the internet in five years time. Who knows? Um, but you can take that time. You can be a perfectionist if you want. You can't really afford to be a perfectionist in radio. However, you may choose not to be a perfectionist. And I'll again, get to that later. Uh, you are your first audience member. So make sure that what you're making is what you want to hear yourself. Too many people go into podcasting going, what's podcasting? Oh, I heard you could make, make millions of pounds from podcasting. Spoiler, you can't. Um, well, you can, but it, you won't. Uh, statistically, you're unlikely to. And they go, what do people like? And they try to make a show that emulates what they think people like. You are an audience member. You know what you like. If you like it, probably other people will. So make what you like. There's loads of reasons for doing that. One of the reasons is you'll care about it. You'll actually want to keep making it. If you're trying to put a podcast together by numbers to make a million pounds, then you won't care about it and it will become a slog and kind of a miserable thing. And we'll get to it later, but 
editing isn't necessarily the most fun thing to spend hours and hours and hours and hours of your life doing. Uh, so if you're going to do it, do it for something you care about. It takes time to be as good as the things that you like. That's not just for podcasts. That works for everything, right? You know what you like. Say, say you want to be a writer. You know what you like to read and you, it will take you a, a while to write as good as the things that you want to read, but you know what you like. So that will help you to get to the point of that you want to get to where you're making stuff as good as the stuff that you like to listen to. An essential thing though, is that you need to listen to other stuff. If you want to know what you want to aim towards, if you don't listen to any radio and you don't listen to any podcasts already, then that's the first thing to do. Listen to some radio, listen to podcasts. Oh, I've got a big list of them later that you can take a picture of uh, that, will, that, that are things I recommend. But again, you know what you like. Uh, if there's any topics that you're interested in, put them into iTunes or whatever podcast app you're using and there'll be loads of podcasts on that topic. And if there isn't, you've done, that's great, right? Because if there isn't anything like that out there in podcasting, that's the podcast you need to make because no one's doing it. So it's actually a niche. Most of the time people think they've got a niche and they actually haven't. There's lots of other people doing that already. But if you find out that no one's doing it, definitely make that podcast. The work has to happen at some point. So the, the three most obvious points where that work happens is you either do a lot of prep or you do a lot of training so that you're good at improvising in the moment, or you do a lot of editing afterwards, or you do a mixture of those three, right? But the work happens somewhere. If you think you're cutting corners, you're not. When I said I recorded four days of audio, that was not cutting corners. It meant I spent a year and a half trying to make that stuff good through uh, editing, right? That's where the work really happened. It would have been good if we'd have done the work before we got into those four days, done a lot more prep, made, you know, learned what we were doing. Uh, all of those things would have made that a good show, potentially a good show. It still had the three of us doing it. Yeah. So the work happens at some point. There's no way of avoiding the work. If you listen to people who say they don't do any editing and you love their show, uh, well, they've probably trained in some way. A lot of podcasts like that are made by comedians comedians they have whole you know 15 years of standing in front of people on a stage honing their craft so when they get in the studio yeah it's easy for them if you haven't got 15 years work you know work out ways to do that work it's a craft podcasting uh, and an art it can be either of those things and neither of those things that you know come without the price of doing some work the work has to happen at some point. Sears and Kane is there as an example, really. Uh, Sears and Kane was made by Orson Welles. Uh, if anybody knows about the film, Orson Welles didn't know how to make films because he didn't know. He invented loads of ways to make film that we've used since then, uh, styles that we never would have known. So if you don't know anything about podcasting, you're in a great position to invent new forms of podcasts that we've never heard before. Not knowing stuff can actually be a benefit and a useful quality to have when you're going into something like this. Find out what works for you. Don't worry so much. You know, read other people's stuff. Find out what other people do. But if you've got an idea, do it, right? You could be Orson Welles. But the thing to remember about Orson Welles is he didn't do that on his own. 
His cameraman, Greg Toland, knew what he was doing. He had lots and lots of years of experience. So when Orson Welles said, I want this to happen, Greg Toland knew how to do it. So it's useful. Read other people, but treat them like they're your Greg Toland, right? I'm your Greg Toland. I'll tell you some ways to do it, but you can be uh, Orson Welles. You can invent your own kinds of audio. We've only just scratched the surface of this medium, so there's so much more to discover and do. Moving out of the studio, both literally and metaphorically. So that's one of the things podcasting can do. You don't have to be in a radio studio. I'm recording what I'm doing today on this little device here, right? And that's with this stand. I could put that anywhere. I could put that in the middle of the street, be a bad day to do it because it's raining, it'd destroy my kit. But if it's a sunny day, I could do this outside, right? There's so many different places I can take my recorder. And that means that podcasts can and do get into much more intimate spaces. Lots of them are recorded in people's front rooms, in their kitchens, like on the top of a mountain, all of these sorts of things. So we can get more personal. We can uh, get into kind of people's spaces. One of the things about it as well is there are ways to record podcasts where you don't hold a microphone like this in someone's face, where you just put it on the table casually. And so it gets different kinds of, of tape, as they say in the business. If you record an interview with someone in their kitchen, they're in a space that they're comfortable in. They're in a space that's theirs. And so they will give you a different interview than they might do if you got them into a recording studio. There's less people that look like me potentially in podcasting. Although these days I look a bit, you know, a little bit more unusual than I, I used to. But what I mean is, you know, middle class white men. Uh, there are, you know, podcasting offers an opportunity for the kind of people who don't get in through traditional means to be able to record the stuff that they want to record. Right. And to, and just directly stick it out there in the kind of, the way that punk music meant that people could record music and get it straight out there to their communities and build their own communities. That is finally happening in podcasts. It took a lot of years for that to happen, but it is now. And so look out for that kind of stuff, but also think, oh, finally we can record stuff that wouldn't go on radio for, thank God. Like what other stuff is out there? You know, what, kinds of experiences have you got have your friends got have people you know got that would be wonderful to be able to share with a wider audience if you're like me a, a kind of middle class white gender queer man uh there's loads of people who are nothing like you uh, out there who it's really useful to hear it's really useful to hear their voices uh it will inform your understanding of the world uh, it certainly has mine Capturing the unexpected and the unknown. You can just go out there with a recorder. You know, you don't have to have a plan. The work has to happen. So like I say, you might have to do a lot of editing if you just go out and record endless uh, audio. But you can do that. Nobody's paying you to like, if you're doing something for the, for the radio, you know, they expect, they don't want, you know, four days worth of audio to, to sift through. They don't want that. Whereas you can take that time and you can go out there and capture things. And you've all got in your pockets phones, right? Smartphones these days. All of those smartphones have got a recording app on them. So wherever you are, if something cool happens, you can be like a citizen journalist. You can record 
with your phone. You can meet some weird person who starts talking to you at a bus stop and say, hey, can I have permission to record you and record an interview with them? There are so many more possibilities now with that smartphone and the fact that you can, you don't have any gatekeepers in podcasting. And one of the things I like to do in a lot of my work is capture live moments, you know, those live moments. If someone like spills their water or whatever, that makes people feel like they're there with you in a way that like, a professional setting doesn't necessarily when things go wrong consider leaving them in because that makes your listeners go oh i'm part of this messy sound that's my speciality that's what i've started doing uh there's two recording devices down at the end of that table they're called zoom h2ns oh no h2s you can't get them anymore but you can get h2n now that's what i recorded getting better acquainted on from 2011 to 2019 it's not what i necessarily recommend but it records pretty well but it records the room and like i said earlier on I, i would just put it on a table between me and the person and they wouldn't even really feel like they were being recorded now there's negatives to that there's some bad sound quality on that show i'm not gonna lie but there's also the real world that gets captured and there's also like I always say, what does it open up? What does it close down? Messy sound is inaccessible for people with hearing uh, loss issues. I'm not going to lie. If you make something sounding rough, it will be harder for everyone to listen to. Some people just can't tune out background sound. Uh, some people will just get annoyed by like the sound of eating or whatever it is. There's lots of things that will make people not enjoy it. But also I had fans of getting better acquainted who said that they would often get ASMR experiences from hearing that background sound. And you can look up ASMR if you like, but it's, it's, it's kind of like a, people describe it as a non-sexual orgasm. I don't really know what that means because I don't really experience it, but it basically makes them feel very tingly and happy uh, to hear these weird sounds. There's videos on YouTube of people like going on a microphone and scrunching paper. People like people make a living from doing that. Um, now I didn't intend to uh, have ASMR in my show, but I did. And so it opens things up. It closes things down. Some people can't listen to that those shows some people get pleasure from listening to those shows and then there's people in between like me who maybe put up with some bad sound because they get some great audio you know great great conversation Stravinsky's Rite of Spring I don't know if anybody knows much about Stravinsky's Rite of Spring it's a piece of classical music you can listen to it if you listen to it now you'll be like oh that's some classical music it's kind of middle of the road background sound when it was made people stormed out of the uh audience because it was so atonal to their what they were used to hearing in terms of music it was like heavy metal for them uh you know some people really liked it and like heavy metal some people really liked it and now when you hear heavy metal from 10 years ago that sounds pretty middle of the road now you, you're like whoa that's i can't believe there was arguments about that that's like a, you know that's a jam so like keep that in mind we train ourselves how to listen So we have trained ourselves through Radio 4 and radio to listen to well-produced sound, but we can retrain our ears to hear a wider palette of audio. And I always like to make that argument. The more and more I 
feel I'm in the minority in that. I'm not going to lie. Standards for podcast audio are raised, you know, are getting higher and higher in the minds of both listeners and people who might pay you to make podcasts. So it's definitely useful to learn how to make good sound quality. I can do it now. That's one of the, the tools I have in my arsenal, but it's not the only kind of audio I'm interested in. And it's not the only kind of audio that I want you to know about. Accessibility, as I say, bad, messy sound does mean that you reduce the amount of people who can listen to it. That's just a reality. Um, and that's not a good thing. Um, but with all accessibility issues, when you make something more accessible for one group, you sometimes make it less accessible for other groups. And so it's not clear cut. It's not sort of simple. And certainly you make it less easy for you to make. And sometimes you have to make, you know, choices. Like I can make this show and it will fit in my life. It might not be able to be heard by as many people, but if I tried to make it be the sound quality that could be heard by lots of people, I wouldn't be able to make that show necessarily. So you're always balancing needs and your needs are also important. Like you can't just be like, I have to make this perfect for everybody out there and just spend so much time like worrying. Uh, So, you know, you're always balancing stuff. Binaural microphones and tinny headphones. So that title is about so a binaural microphone is this really cool microphone they've got now that fits in your ear and records what it sounds like in 3d to be your ear right so it it creates sound that makes you feel almost in virtual reality right that the sound is coming when you hear the sound coming from over there that was where it was coming to to the person who was recording with those binaural microphones they're amazing and if you record a podcast on those Someone's going to listen to it using those iPhone headphones over there, which are tinny, cut out loads of sound and lose loads of sound quality. So those are the two extremes. We can record so amazingly now, but we also mostly listen in very subpar situations. Brilliant production and clear audio can also be great. I I know that I can kind of go on too much sometimes about messy sound. So I, I want to make it clear that you're allowed to go for really crisp and clean, beautifully produced stuff. I'm not against that. Some of my favorite podcasts to listen to are like that. Uh, there is room for all kinds of audio in podcasting is my always my biggest that's that goes not just for audio there's room for all kinds of everything right all kinds of people all kinds of recording all kinds of producing there's room for all of that because anyone can make it and you find your audience right a lot of podcasting is niche casting it's finding you know if you make a podcast about knitting although that's quite a mainstream interest these days but there will be loads of knitters out there who want to to learn about knitting if you want to make a podcast about uh warhammer 40,000 gaming which many of you may like be like what well the person who knew what that was they might be the person to make that podcast for you know so so that's it like niche casting is is uh is part of this whole experience oh no i've had a good idea Right. That is how I always feel when I have a good idea. A while back, I was like, there should be a night called Stand Up Tragedy where people do tragedy on stage rather than comedy. And then I was like, no one's making that. And I was like, oh, I better learn how to produce a live show and make it like that. You know, you, you go, oh, that's so good. I want to hear it. I better make it.
But I also want to say that even if shows like the one that you really want to make already exist, it doesn't mean that yours won't be different because you are different. You might want to make a show about film. There are thousands of podcasts reviewing films, but there is only one podcast where you review films right so you you know if you want to make that then you need to be aware that there's thousands out there and think maybe what's different about me and my perspective on film what can i bring to a film show and think about you know what you can do with that but you are different from anybody else so if even it doesn't if you want to make something similar to someone else that's okay you can do that all art is just is similar to other art there's all craft is similar to other craft uh we're all borrowing that's what that's what being human is. That's what storytelling is. Find out what's specific to you and, and bring that to the kind of universal themes that, that are out there that everyone else is doing. Think big, but be happy with small, right? Aim for the moon. Try and make a show that everybody listens to. Try and make the new serial if you must. Um, but don't expect it to be the new serial. Be happy with what you can have, which is complete creative control and an opportunity to communicate with people. It might be five, it might be 10, it might be, you know, millions by the end, because it won't be millions by the beginning, unless you've already got an existing uh, profile to bring in those audience members. What we call pod fade happens a lot, which is people start out, it's going weekly, six months in, they're doing a punishing weekly schedule. They're getting no audience responses. They're looking at their stats and they're seeing, you know, three people are listening to it. And then they stop. Understandably, that is an understandable thing to happen. And it might happen to you. But know that that's what happens to a lot of people and think about ways to make it not fade for you. Whether that might be not having a weekly schedule, which is very hard to hit and will make your life all about your podcast every single week. It, it opens things up. It closes things down. There's benefits to having a, a weekly podcast. It may help you to grow an audience, but actually these days that is less of a, a logic that makes sense. It used to be people would say weekly podcast, never, never miss a week. Now there's so many podcasts out there that is actually becoming a bit like TV shows. How many uh pre premiere tv series have you got in a list where you're like i'll get to that i'll watch that someday we're, we're there with podcasts now so actually if you have a monthly podcast or like you know a, a six month season or whatever that might be better for your life but it also might be more likely to get listeners because we're a bit oversaturated at this point putting out your audio when it's not perfect but it's pretty good is a good idea. You'll get feedback. You'll get ideas on what to do differently. You'll hear it. If you sit on it and wait for it to be perfect, then you may spend five years making something that's not going to be as good as episode two anyway, because episode two is always going to be better. So you've got less pressure on yourself. Uh, you can ask people for stuff, ask mates what kit they've got, ask mates what, uh, what experiences they've got asking is good personal relationships you know that's a really important part of podcasting having a mate that you can uh be a bit silly with on on mic actually i mentioned answer me this earlier on that was two, two well three friends sat in a room answering questions they were learning as they went along it means they're not that proud of the first couple of years of their their, their own podcast 
but it also means that they kind of became what they are today. They've made enough money to live there. They are much higher in the professional podcast in terms of living, uh, making their rent than I am. Uh, making podcasts is really boring. I'm not going to lie. It's really boring. It, you know, maybe for you it won't be, but it's really boring going through audio endlessly, endlessly, endlessly. If you get really specific and you're cutting out breaths, you know, you'll hear the thing so many times. It's boring. So make it about something you love. I understand I'm reinforcing a few central things in this. So a lot of this is I can skip over relatively quickly because I've already said it, but it's hard to make bad content good. If you go away with nothing, go away with that, right? You can't record a bad conversation and make it a brilliant conversation. You can pick bits of it to make into a good thing. It's easier to make bad recordings of good content into great audio than it is to make brilliant recordings of uninteresting content into great audio. Getting specific. The more specific that something is, the more universal it becomes. I ran a night uh, in Hackney for Spark London, which was a true storytelling night for like seven years. And what I noticed from true stories is the more specific the story that someone told, the more likely it was that they would come off stage and people would be like, I've got a life experience that's like that. Because when you talk about your real specific stuff, you show them the most specific emotions that you have about it. And those emotions will be more universal, right? We all know what it's like to be sad. We all know what it's like to be scared. And when you tell your most specific scared or sad story, it connects you with other people. Uh, it's an interesting thing how that works. Character. People never think about character when they're thinking about podcasts, but character is what we enjoy, right? When we listen to people, our friends are in some ways characters in our story of our life, right? And we like the ones who have the most character, the ones who have the, the one liners or the ones who've got the most interesting ways of saying things, right? Think about your character, yourself as a character. What do you want to communicate to other people? Where, when you are playing that character on mic, you, I'm not saying you have to pretend to be someone else, but you are a character and you will become a new character because you will only show what you want to show on that podcast. You won't show all of your life. You choose what bits you're selecting. So think about character as well as the plot, right? Passion. People respond to passion. If you're passionate about something, they can hear it in your voice. So if you make a podcast that you're about a subject that you're passionate about, that will be part of the thing that will engage your audiences. The work, as I say, preparation, recording, editing, the three kinds of work that you might do. Then after you've done the bit that makes your good podcast or your mediocre podcast or your bad podcast, whatever kind of podcast you begin with, you've got to do this even more boring than editing work, which is uploading stuff. You've got to do marketing and promotion. And the, like, this is the stuff I, I'm not just the worst at, but I hate the most. Um, but some of you might have that skill already. Great. You only have to learn how to make your podcasts. Uh, that's the easy bit. Actually, marketing is the, probably the bit that has the most effect on whether you get an audience. And it's the thing I can say the least about. I have no idea how it, it's a lot luck. It's a lot being in the right place at the right time. One marketing thing will work for one person and then when it's recreated for another project, won't work, right? So you just don't know. 
Um, and then there's admin, right? That's like, if you've got guests on your podcast, it's contacting them, scheduling them, arranging to have, if you want to record in a studio, the studio, there's all of this boring stuff whereby I think whatever job you do, you're in front of a computer dealing with emails and rolling your eyes about spreadsheets. That's just the way the world is now. Like whatever you want to do, you have to put up with that part. Not being dependent on podcasting for an income helps you to keep the cost down and your schedule flexible. And if you can avoid it, then do. It makes you freer. If you're like making your podcast as a retirement project, you have no reason to try and monetize it. Make a great show. Maybe one day someone will pay you loads of money for having made that show. But make use of the freedom that not having to do it for money offers you. If you're dependent on podcasting for income, uh, manage the expectations of your clients and your own expectations about what you can achieve. It always takes longer. It always takes longer than you think. What you think you'll achieve, you won't achieve. So keep that in mind. Especially if you're, some people start podcasting these days by pitching to a client. If you're one of those people, definitely add as much time as you can and maybe consider learning how to do it before you pitch to a client. But up to you. I started not knowing what I was doing, so I'm not going to knock it. Uh, you can also manage the expectations of your audience by explaining and framing the, your limitations and choices. These are some examples of podcasts uh, that I think are interesting, if not brilliant. Many of them are brilliant. Most of them are brilliant, but I think they're all interesting and worth checking out. I think there's something for everyone there. These are some genres of podcasts. I want to say this because people, when they think about podcasts, they normally think interviews, conversations. They might think about documentaries, kind of NPR style stuff. Um, but they don't think about all of these other things. There's a load of drama out there. Uh, podcast drama is massive now. There's loads of really exciting things. Some of the shows on the last slide were those. But like I say, there's so much out there that can be done. And these are the genres that exist now. You could invent some new ones. And I'm really excited to hear any new genres that we do invent because we are relatively early on in this medium. You know, I started in 2006 before I knew what a podcast was. Podcasts have been maybe around like six years before that, but we're, we're really young as a medium. There's so much to be discovered. And yeah, that's what there could be out there. Like it's an open blank page. The most exciting and terrifying thing uh, is a blank page, but you can fill that blank page with whatever you want. Thanks very much. Thank you. I recorded this talk back in the before times, before the pandemic and all that that has meant, which means that there's a few extras to add on. The possibilities of the pandemic, if you will. So when the first lockdown hit, suddenly audio people, whether they be podcasters or radio people, suddenly found that they were literally forced out of the studio and they had to embrace, learn and relearn remote recording skills. It meant that a lot of people who just presented now have learned how to record. It meant that lots of people who would never dream of putting out anything that wasn't studio quality material have had to learn to make do with what the DIY community had been doing for a great many years. And the pandemic has also meant that a lot of people have tried making podcasts for the first time, stuck 
with nothing to do in lockdowns or having lost work or having a reduced workload, people have been launching podcasts like nobody's business. And so there are even more podcasts out there than ever before. It's also meant that audiences have lowered their expectations. Listeners are once again kinder about people learning about lesser quality sound recordings. They understand that people have restrictions on their lives because we've all got restrictions on our lives. And when the pandemic is over, that will still be the case. And hopefully listeners will still remain kind and will have learnt to listen to and enjoy lower quality audio. So much of the audio that we're hearing on podcasts and on radio at the moment is recorded on people's phones. It's recorded over Zoom, which has been another thing that has meant that there is more possibilities within podcasting because now everybody has learnt to use Zoom and Zoom will record audio for you. So So many people have podcasting at their fingertips. It's so easy for people to record podcasts, partly because we've all learned to listen to more audio and to make audio ourselves through connecting with people through Zoom and through our phones during this time. I don't know what's going to happen when things open back up again. I don't know what changes will happen in the future. I certainly have not enjoyed many, many things about this pandemic and the restrictions which it has given our lives. But I do hope that we take some of this understanding of people's experiences and conditions, some of this forgiveness of rougher audio styles with us as we go forwards into the future. And so even though the pandemic has restricted our lives, it has only in many ways increased the possibilities of podcasting. Thanks very much for listening. You can listen to Getting Better Acquainted's back catalogue. There's loads of it to listen to. So if you've not heard Getting Better Acquainted before, there's plenty of audio to listen to. The further back you go, the less I personally relate to the version of me that you'll hear. But it's all there. There's also Down to a Sunless Sea, which is a new podcast that I made after these talks so I don't mention it in these talks at all but it's uh, a podcast about my relationship with my dad and his experience of dementia and old age um, where I have lots of conversations with him and creative non-fiction writing about our relationship and that's also mixed in with some conversations with experts around themes that come up in the show it was recommended uh, by Miranda Sawyer in The Observer it was part funded by the Wellcome Trust and the British Podcast Awards and it's maybe the best podcast that I've ever made so do give that a listen it's on the Getting Better Acquainted feed so you don't have to go anywhere but here if you want to listen to it but it's also got its own feed that specifically is dedicated to it do check it out down to a sunless sea i'm very very proud of it you can find that and all of the work that i do at davepickeringstoryteller.co.uk and you can find me on twitter at goosefat 101